Amen. It's good to see everyone this morning. That is a great song right there. Why are all the nations raging? It's a good question to ask these days, isn't it? It's a lot going on in this world. That's why we have to open up our Bibles. <laughs> so let's do that right now. Open up your Bible. Turn on your Bible. Whatever, whatever you got to do, look at the words of God, right? And we're going to continue. We're going to actually conclude our series uh, on Jonah this morning. Uh, so we're going to actually look at two chapters. So I got to squeeze two chapters in uh, in this message. So hopefully I'll... There's a lot in here. And uh, I, I'm, I've really been inspired by learning more and more from Jonah. You know, it's possible to read the same book of the Bible many times and learn new things. Right? It should never get old. Uh, our Bible study should never be so stale. We really don't have an excuse, in my opinion. How many of you are absolutely, totally, you have figured out the message of Ezekiel? Right? If you haven't, amen. There you go. You now have something to study if you feel like you're in a rut spiritually. We should always be able to open our Bible and learn something. Or at least challenge ourselves. The book of Jonah is challenging. It's a challenging book of God's Word. If we did not have the book of Jonah, we would be missing, I believe, something very important uh, to learn about God. But also, I think, to learn a lot about ourselves. And hopefully we can do both this morning. Learn more about God, but also maybe be willing to peel back the onion, so to speak, of our own hearts and our own thoughts and how we perceive the world and be willing to lay those bare before God. Are you, are you willing to do that? Because if you are, I believe the book of Jonah can really reach your spirit, your heart, and help you grow as a person and be more like God, which hopefully is our goal. And uh, so I'm going to lead us in a, in a word of prayer, and we're going to uh, jump into, into God's word. So let's pray. Father, I'm grateful uh, to be here this morning. I have, I have truly needed, I didn't know how much I needed uh, this, this morning. Uh, I needed to sing uh, the songs that we sang this morning. I needed, I need, I've needed every song. I needed to be reminded that it's not just some of our sin, but our sin, the whole that's nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. I needed to hear that, and I needed to hear it sung, and I needed to hear Luke chapter 7 this morning. To be reminded of Simon's mindset when that sinful woman walked into his house. But to see Jesus' response. I needed that. And I needed the song that Brian and Sue sang. Powerful. To dream of a world like that. Where each soul can find love. I needed to hear that song this morning. I was grateful to see my two brothers, Craig and Jacinto, up here. Arm in arm. Two brothers. Sharing about their relationship. And how you bring us together, Lord, in your church. I needed, I needed to hear that and I needed to see that. 
And uh, I'm grateful to be reminded that we do get to help people from an entirely different continent that we may never see. And all we have to do is walk or, or run. Wow. And uh, I'm grateful that we do that together as a church. And I needed all of that. It helped my heart to, to sing these songs and just to sing how good of a father you are. That's who you are, Lord. Man, I needed that song. And I'm loved by you. And that's who I am. Mm. Thank you, God, for being such a good, good father. Thank you. Lord, I do want to pray for, I just got the, the note this morning, um, Dave Pratt. I want to pray for Dave Pratt, Donna Lynn's father, in the hospital right now. Leukemia. So I pray for him. Please, God, help him. We, we pray for a cure. That's what we want. See him around more. But I pray you be with the lens and help them to really love up on, on David. Lord, I pray we open up the scripture this morning and have humble hearts. Allow, the, allow this message that this interaction between you and Jonah, this interaction between Jonah and, and people of a foreign nation, God, help us to, to see this isn't just an ancient story that doesn't really relate to us. So I pray your Holy Spirit is powerful among us and that we are contrite and humble at your word. And I pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've already read the first two chapters of Jonah. And we've seen that God told Jonah he had a job for him. Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. Their wickedness is out of hand. And my plan is to send you. And Jonah said, no, thank you. And he went the opposite direction and jumped on a ship. And God said, well, that's not going to work. Can't run from God. You know, Tom talked about that and just, wow, Jonah on that ship. And he's just doing everything he can to have a bad impact on these people for God. Uh, not praying, falling asleep. Everybody else on the ship who doesn't even know God, they don't even know God. They're more spiritual than he is. And, uh, but basically, it, 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 you know, he's just like, hey man, throw me overboard. That's fine. You can just throw me overboard. I'm sure that'll help this whole situation. And they reluctantly throw him over. The, the sea gets calm. And these, these pagans start praising God. Meanwhile, Jonah's just sinking lower. You know, figuratively, spiritually, and everything. But God provided a, a large fish to, to swallow Jonah. And uh, Jonah stayed in that fish and finally figured out he should probably pray. So Jonah prayed. And, uh, and it seems like he had a, a type of a kind of a, a, a repentant heart. When, when he really prayed uh, in verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Did he get it right there? Did, you know what? They're, they're not even, they don't even know God in Nineveh. They're, they're holding on to, to something that, that they're worshiping idols that can't even provide them what they, what they need most. They need salvation. And they're clinging to idols that aren't even real. 
And they're forfeiting the grace and, and the loving kindness and the patience and the compassion that could be theirs if only someone would go and preach it to them. Oh, wait, that's what I should be doing. Because salvation comes from the Lord. So maybe Jonah seems like he has a moment where he figures it out. Okay. And then God accepts that, I guess, and allows the fish to get rid of Jonah, put him back on dry land. And let's see what old Jonah does, right? Chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And right there, I'm, I was encouraged just to see a second time. Isn't it encouraging that God doesn't give up on Jonah? You could not have been worse missionary than Jonah. But notice God uses the same words as before. Go, go to Nineveh. He gives him a second chance. And that's, a, that's an aspect of God's nature that we should really be reminded of. You know, sometimes we fail God and guess what we do? We quit. I've seen it happen. I, I've been there. Well, you know, you feel like, oh God, I've let you down. And then you re retreat from God and you kind of isolate yourself and, you know, throw your pity party. Woe is me. There's no way I can come back from this. This is bad. I mean, you can't be a prophet. God tell you to go somewhere and you go the opposite direction. That's bad. But notice God doesn't just quit on Jonah. After all of that, being in the belly of a fish, praying, getting out. God comes right back to him with the same thing. Okay, Jonah, <laughs> are you done with your tantrum? Okay, here we go. You still need to go to Nineveh. And he says, proclaim to it the message that I give you. And so what I appreciate also about this is God did not send, send uh, engineers or doctors or politicians to Nineveh. He sent somebody who's going to preach and proclaim his message. That was the problem. That was this, this problem was sin and wickedness. The solution was a man that was going to preach what God wanted preached. That's the solution that God had. And I appreciate that even, even if that was me, me in charge, and here, Jeff, I need you to send a church and get it started in Nineveh. They are wicked people. I can tell you right now, I'd be like, okay, wow, amen, all right. Okay, we need to get a team that flies over there and they need to share their faith. They need to figure out all the places to go meet. And they, we need to get a rental place. We need to print up some invitations. We need to do all, we need to hire some interns. I'd probably have 55 different things to do. God had one out plan. I'm gonna send one guy and he's gonna preach the message I give him. Do you still have faith that one person obeying God and proclaiming his message can have an impact? Do, do you really believe it though? Do you, still, do you believe in your neighborhood, your cul-de-sac, your dorm room, wherever you are, do you believe that God has sent you? That you're his plan to help save people? I appreciate this plan. Simple, to the point. God didn't give up on Jonah and he gave him a plan that relied on God's word. And Jonah obeyed, the Bible says, verse 3, and finally we go, amen. He didn't mess around this time. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. 
And Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Now what is that? What do you make of that? That's a short message. Now, you could say, well, is that all he preached? I don't think that's all he said. But that's probably the gist of what he said. But here's the deal. I wouldn't be surprised if that's all he said either. Because I don't know how fired up Jonah was to really do this mission. <laughs> and I don't even know about the three days. I've read a lot of commentary. Oh, it, it could have been three cities, and so it takes three days to get through all the cities. Or it's, the, it's the, 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 how big it is. Like metropolitan uh, Nineveh it's, it took a long time. Three days. What, all these people have different takes on the three days. But what is interesting is, it says after the first day, it's like he didn't even do the whole trip. You know what I'm saying? One day in, here's the message. You're going to be overturned in 40 days. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> but isn't it crazy? Why? Here's, here's the deal. Who is Jonah? Who's Jonah? If, if the Assyrians, you know, that's where Ninev the Ninevites, right? The Assyrians. These are brutal people. They had a reputation of just brutal treatment of people. So who is Jonah, a foreigner, coming out totally unbeknownst to them and telling them that God, a God they don't really know, is going to overturn them in 40 days if they don't turn things around? I mean, wow. Why, how is that an effective approach to help people grow and change? I probably would have said, God, that, that's not a good idea. That, that message is a little too heavy. Uh, for these people. You need to spruce it up, put a little bit more, put some poems in there, you know, use some movie clips and, you know, go a little slower than 40 days or it'll be overturned. But notice this. We need to see the grace of God here as well. Because God could have simply just blown Nineveh off the map. He's done that before. He, he could have just blown Nineveh off the map. But what does he say? He gives them 40 days, 40 more days, sends them a prophet from somewhere else, gives the prophet a message, gives, and then gives the message, still gives them 40 more days. Sometimes we look at the Bible, we say, there's no grace in the Old Testament. He's an evil, mean God. That's grace all up in the Bible right here. He didn't have to give them any days, but he gave them 40 days. And then even the word over, overturned, that word can mean a couple different things. It could mean overthrown and destroyed. Absolutely. Sodom and Gomorrah, same word. Or it could mean transformed, turned upside down. That's, I believe that's how God treats all of us, right? He gives us time to change. He doesn't just blast us after every single time we sin. He knows the time that we need. He'll bring things to a head, and we have a choice. Either be destroyed, overturned, like Sodom and Gomorrah, or be transformed. Turn things upside down in your life. I'm going to give you time. He gave, the Ninevites, he gave the Ninevites time. And what happened? Probably the biggest miracle when I read this, the Ninevites believed God. They even declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. Then it went viral because the news reached the king of Nineveh. He rose from his throne 
took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. And by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Guys, why is he including the animals? Doesn't that seem a bit extreme to you? Why are you going to put the sackcloth on the cow? What, what? But do you see the intensity, right? Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. You want to talk about repentance? Wow! The word repentance is not used in here, but I, I'm not sure if I can see any better definition of repentance than right here. They hear a message from God. They, first of all, they believe it's from God. Even though it came from a person, they believed it was coming from God. And you might go, well, why in the world did that happen? But don't forget, I think Douglas reminded us of this. You can read your history books, but during this time in recorded history, they had an earthquake, they had a solar eclipse that led to rebellion. People were freaked out. They, imagine if you didn't have Doppler radar, radar and all that stuff. You see a total eclipse, people went crazy, rebellion all over. It was a crazy time. Some scholars say they probably had heard of Jonah, right? Hey, man, that's the dude that came out the fish, man. We done had earthquake. <laughs> Something's going on up in here. We need to listen to this dude. He just got spat out of a fish, man. What is he saying? Dude said, we're going to get knocked out in 40 days. We're going to start right now. We don't want anything else. Let's do it right now. Get the cows. Put them fast. They're going to fast with us. Everybody's fasting. They are serious. Call on God. Turn from your evil ways. Stop your violence. They were known for their violence. Stop your violence. This is serious. And then look what he says. Who knows? And what, 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 is that, what does that mean? I sat and read that day after day. What is, what is going on here? He said, who knows? Maybe, maybe this God is compassionate. Which means he didn't know. He didn't have a relationship with this Yahweh. He didn't know his nature. So he, he's doing this all in hopes that this God perhaps could be compassionate. And maybe th there was nothing in Jonah's message that sounded like there was anything that was going to happen other than 40 days, it's over. But yet, they're just like, well, maybe if we change, I mean, let's just change. Everybody change. Don't eat. Be uncomfortable. Put on sackcloth. Just, just focus on changing and... and Maybe, just maybe, this God will be compassionate. He didn't even know God's nature. In verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And all the people said, amen. Shouldn't Jonah end right there? If this were a sitcom, the credits would be rolling. Cue the theme music, right? This is it. This is done deal. I mean, what a great story so far. Reluctant 
guy tries to run from God, God tracks him down, pagan people start worshiping, he gets in a fish, dramatic praise, gets his heart right, jumps out of the fish, preaches the message God wanted to, cows fast, people fast, people change, the most violent nation on earth totally gives up their ways, God stands there with Jonah, a nation has repented, this is incredible. The power of the word of God, even in a reluctant missionary. This is an incredible story. Why doesn't it end there? I could, this would be a sermon, it'd be uplifting, yeah, this is great. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. And this is where it gets a little ugly in my opinion. This is where, this is where, this is when Jonah turns from being the cute little children's story, you know, with the whale and all that, to like, oh, there's some other issues at, at work here. So this picture of everybody repenting and God turning away from what he wanted to do, you jump right into chapter four. What does it say right away? But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. What? He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? Now see, this is the deal. See, we didn't know why Jonah ran. This, this is the, the author of this. At the beginning, he didn't tell us why. Right. Remember, it was God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And then immediately, he went to Tarshish. But we didn't know why. We just thought maybe he's scared. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it. You know, his wife's pregnant. Who knows? Well, well, we don't know. We, we, we had, but now we know. Now he fills in the gap. And this is huge. This is huge. He said, I, I said this, so they, this was something they actually, this was an interaction between Jonah and God. When he initially told him, I need you to go to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go. He said, I told you this back then. And this is why I was quick to flee to Tarshish. Because God, I knew that you're gracious. And you're a compassionate God. I knew you're slow to anger and abounding in love. And you're a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, you know what, Lord, just, just take away my life. You know, it's better for me to die than to live and do this kind of stuff. Wow! What is going on right there? Does Jonah have an accurate view of who God is? Yes. By what he says? By what he says, does he have an accurate view? Yep. Is God, you know, slow to anger? Yes. Does he relent? Sure. Does he show? Yes. That's the scary thing. That's the thing that had me sitting at my desk reading over and over. You go, but, but Jonah knows God. He proves that he knows God's nature. He didn't run to Tarshish because he thought he was going to be ineffective. He ran because he thought he would be effective. Which means what? Which means he didn't want the Ninevites to experience compassion. He didn't want them to experience turning away from their lifestyle. He didn't want the Ninevites to get that. But you got, why? Why? 
Why would a man who knows the, who God is not want everyone to have that experience with God? What is it? Could it be that we, we already heard about it in Luke 7? Is it similar? Could it be? Simon, religious Pharisee, knows God's word. Woman walks in who's what? A sinner. If Jesus knew what kind of person she was, he wouldn't even deal with her. What, what is in there? How can you know God and have that come in your heart? Right? How can Jonah know God's attributes, be a prophet of God, and not want this entire nation to experience who God is? What, and, and in fact says, you know what, I'm, you know what God, if this, is, if this is how it's gonna go down, if you're gonna allow people like that, if you're gonna let people like that, that are brutal, that take over other people, they indiscriminately kill people, they rape women, kill children, if you're gonna let those type of people be forgiven, I don't even want to serve you. Just go ahead and take my life, man. Just take it away. What is that, people? Who's being God here? <laughs> Jonah is determining who should and should not receive God's mercy. It's a form of prejudice, people. <laughs> call, it what, call it like it is. That's what it is in the Bible right here. It's, he, there's a group of people that he does not want to experience the privileges that he has experienced. Being with God. God, we are a covenant people. We're chosen. But those people don't deserve the same privileges that we have. They don't deserve it. Notice what happens next. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? So to me, I go, okay, God, you're very patient. Because at that point, if he would have, you know what I'm saying? If I was God, I'd be like, okay, bro. I dealt with you before. You done run away. When I told you where I need you to go, you jump on a boat going the other direction. I got to get all the way over there. <laughs> you jump out, you, you get them to throw you out the boat. Then I got to send the fish, swallow you up. Finally get you to get up on there and preach. You finally preach a message. Any other preacher in the world, when they preach a message and the people repent, be fired up. And here you are sitting up here crying, talking about you mad, you ain't, I don't want to do this no more. I'm about tired of you, Jonah. <laughs> I done had it with you, man. If I was God, I'm sorry, I would have been tempted to just go there with Jonah. Right there. I am done with your stuff. Turn it around, bro, because you, you, you right here. You right here. I gave him like 40 days, I'm about to give you 40 seconds. You better turn this thing around. Them people don't even know me. You know me. You know better. But no, God once again shows how patient he is and how impatient I am, right? And he just throws out one of those good old God questions, you know. You know, kind of those Jesus God, you know, they have great questions, you know. So, like, do you, 
Like, do you have any right to be angry? Like, where's this anger coming from? And what's Jonah's answer? You know what Jonah's answer is? And he just walked away. That's what it seemed like. He, we don't get an answer. It, Jonah went out, sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and what does it say? And he waited to see what would happen to the city. And I sat there, why is he waiting to see? They already repented. Seriously, what is he waiting to see? I mean, it might be like, you don't know. Does, does he really, is he still kind of hoping maybe they'll still get it? Maybe he's still curious, man. You know, maybe they'll repent from their repentance and go back the other way. I don't know. <laughs> so he goes out. And, and so what, what we're seeing is, we're seeing kind of the ugly side of a truth here. Yeah. That you can know who God is, but in your heart, you cannot love people. Especially people that don't look like you. Or don't talk like you, have funny accent, different skin color, whatever. I don't know. You, you pick it. That, that's an that's a ugly truth. That, that can sprout up even in a person of God. You know, we, we got together this week, uh, the ministers in Atlanta, we get together and we, we get talk and pray and read scriptures and Get together like every, probably six weeks-ish. And uh, we, you know, got together this week, couple, uh, Thursday, I think. And, uh, you know, we're just talking and I, I was feeling a little weird and funky, but I, I didn't really bring it up in the meeting. Uh, you know, all this stuff been going on and the police, all this craziness, right? I was feeling weird, didn't know what to do. I'd had a story, we were listening to NPR on the way to school and got into a discussion with my girls about what's been going on with the shootings and I was, you know, I was just kind of feeling weird and funky about it, tried to do my best, dad, talk them through it, whatever, drop them off at school, whatever, but it's pinging in my head, I don't know what to do with it, I just keep rolling. Get to the minister's meeting, I share a passage that was on my heart that was like a veiled, the world is crazy but let's stick together one of those psalms, like amen, prayed it but didn't go into any specifics, just kind of kept rolling, you know. And uh, one of the other brothers, he was like, man, I got to be real. And he basically said, I'm, I'm feeling funky about what's going on in, in our world, in our nation, in our nation, really. And he said the thing that got him was uh, the footage of, you know, a man, uh, Crutcher, Terrence Crutcher, and uh, he was, you know, walking to his car or whatever, and, uh, and there was a helicopter filming it. And uh, they had the audio of what the people in the helicopter were saying. Yeah. And uh, so here's the guy down there, you know, he's kind of doing one of these, whatever, and the cops, you know, behind him. And, and the guy in the, in the helicopter says something to the effect of, I mean, that's one big bad dude. You know, it was a black guy, Terrence. And so the minister shared, why did he have to be bad? It's bothering me. That's what he said. Why, why, why did the guy say he's bad? He didn't even know this guy. And, and, and it just, and, and he was, and this brother was just a, a, a 
reputable brother, loves, <laughs> loves God, loves people, but just shared his heart with his fellow ministers. He said, guys, I don't have any solutions. I just want you to know where I'm, what I'm feeling right now. And we just kind of prayed and kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about it. But it's one of those things where sometimes we feel things about people and we don't even know it's in there. But it just kind of comes out, you know. Oh, that person, oh, oh, they're from there. Mm. What about somebody that's not as educated as you? Do you, sometimes you look at them, you look down on them sometimes? When their grammar gets a little off, do you feel embarrassed? Right? Or so what, what is it for you? I don't know. What, what type of people make you feel uncomfortable? And, and, and in your heart of hearts, are you willing to extend to them the grace of God? Or is it more comfortable for you to just go out east, sit under the shade, and just let God do, do whatever you're going to do? But once again, God is patient. So then the Lord provided a vine for good old Jonah. And he made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head his discomfort and Jonah was very happy about the vine why isn't that great Jonah is finally happy do you wonder what is he thinking it's like well it's about time God did something for me showing me a little compassion I don't know what he was thinking but we know that he was very happy about that vine he was grateful Keep that shade off his head, the sun off his head, he's good. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. And he wanted to die and said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. I mean, Jonah is out there. <laughs> man, when you have that kind of stuff in your heart, man, it's hard to just be right. I mean, you look at, you, you, you can't just play this off. It's kind of funny, but then again, it's kind of not. Jonah's not, see, here's the deal, guys. Jonah's not messing around. Don't forget what happened on that ship in chapter 1. Don't you remember that moment? When, when every sailor on that ship is scared out of their mind? What did Jonah tell him? He looked at him dead in their eye. He said, throw me overboard. Jonah was serious about not doing this. He's just, don't just write him off as this overly emotional guy. Jonah was like, I'd rather die than go preach to those people. He, he's been consistent in his character. So we can laugh right now, but it's coming to a head. Yeah, he might be a little faint, and so it's really coming out. He's hot, he's tired. He's seen the effects of what he's done. Now he's, he's even got some weirdness, guilt, like, man, upset that they're doing all right. He does want to die. He'd rather die than keep be, serving a God who's going to help people like this. And he keeps saying, I'm angry. It's, there's anger. <laughs> anger. But the Lord said, you know what, Jonah? You, you've been very concerned about this vine. You know, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. And it sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh, 
Nineveh has more than 120,000 people, Jonah. And they can't tell their right hand from their left spiritually. And many cattle as well, because they've been fasting too. <laughs> Should I not be concerned about that great city? Jonah, you're more concerned about a little vine, man, that gave you a little bit of comfort. And the only reason why you were happy is because it benefited you. Is that all you care about is your own comfort? Is that the only time you can be happy? Is when your little world fits into its little spot and everything fits just where it's supposed to fit? Is that the only time you can be happy, Jonah? When I just provide for you, when, you, when I give you things and you receive the benefit of things, is that the only way you can be happy, Jonah? But when you gotta get outside of your comfort zone, when I make you go somewhere else to help another people, that are people, Jonah? People. You're upset about a vine. I'm talking about 120,000 people. Souls made in my image. I am a God of all people. People you consider evil, I, I, I might agree with you that they're evil, but they're still made in my image, and I want them to change. And I send people like you to help them change. So Jonah, stop getting all upset about a vine that has no eternal meaning. And you need to change your heart and see that this nation needs to be saved from their ways. We don't know how Jonah responded. We don't know. Just like in Luke 15 with the prodigal son. Remember that story? We don't really know about the older son either. It kind of ends a similar way. Kind of like, hmm, I wonder, if, I wonder if Jonah gets it. I wonder if the older son really gets it. We don't know if Jonah gets it. But I can tell you what, we better get it. We, we better get it. God is a God for all people. People that want to go out in malls and kill people, that makes our stomach turn and actually makes us angry. You know those people? The people that bomb people, that fly planes in the buildings, that people that we care about, those people? You know what? People that are, you know, people that maybe once enslaved your ancestors, you know, their descendants that, are, that you're living with right now, you know those people? All of, all of those people, God loves. Even though we might be angry about them, hate them at times. You know those people on the other side of the political aisle? Then you, God loves them too. Even though you have your feelings that are so, can be so angry, like the word God uses with Jonah, there's anger. You might have anger. God still loves those people. So what are you going to do about it? See, Jonah's not a, this is not like a little story about the kid. Jonah is like a mirror just looking at you right there, right? Who are you going to be in this world? Are you going to be the person that God can take and you can reflect the glory of God in whatever situation you're in with whatever person, whatever type of people? Is that who you're going to be? Because we need to remember something. Remember this about how God has dealt with people. This is important. There's a guy named Abraham, right? He didn't deserve anything 
He was, a, he was worshiping foreign gods. God chose Abraham. Hey, man, I'm going to work through you. Save the whole world. What did, what did Abraham do to deserve that? Nothing. What about Jacob, right? Yeah. What, who was Jacob? Jacob was a liar, a deceiver, all, on the run, and God's like, I'm going to use you. Through your kids, through your, your progeny, I'm going to make my, a nation of Israel. Who's the nation of Israel? Well, they're sitting there in Egypt and enslaved people. Who are they? What have they done? What do they deserve? Nothing. They've got no political power, no army, no infrastructure, really. What does God do? I'm going to lift you up. Not, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to lift you up, and I'm going to use you to be a light to the whole world so that the whole world can know how I deal with people. Who is Israel? Nobody. You see, Jonah forgot that. Jonah didn't deserve any blessing from God. He didn't deserve one. So who is he to deny it from someone else? Who are you? Have you been given any blessing from God? Have you been saved from your sin? Have you been washed clean because of the blood of Jesus? Have you? You didn't deserve it either. You didn't. So for the love of God, don't you deny it from other people. You go into your neighborhood and you share about Jesus. Absolutely. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what background they have. I don't care what language they speak. We in this room are the type of people that we shouldn't care about all that. We should care about a loving, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love God who is trying to save this crazy, corrupt world. Open up your hearts. Get the junk out. Get the prejudice out. Get the bigotry out. Stop prejudging people. Stop saying who's available for God's blessings and who isn't. Stop it. Let's save the whole world. Jonah should have been rejoicing with God. He's upset and angry. That is terrible. But not us. We need to be rejoicing that God is a God of all people. And he's willing to use you and me to help all people know who he is. So let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> thank, you for, thank you for the message of Jonah. And thank you for reminding us of these truths. That you are the God of all people. Not just the people we feel comfortable with. Father, I pray that we are not like Jonah. Filled with anger. But God, help us to, to be like you. who You rejoice when one sinner repents. When one person decides to change their ways and to follow you. Father, help us to be a people who rejoice in who you are and let us bring your message to this world that so desperately, desperately needs it. Please, Father, use us, even if we're reluctant, use us to help change this world. In Jesus' name, amen.